Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the show. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast. I'm Monique, and I enjoy interviewing guests about veganism, overall wellness, and vegan entrepreneurship. This is truly a lifestyle podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review to help others find us. You can leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also, come hang out with me on YouTube. I'm Brown Vegan over there for recipes and vegan tips. And as always, you can get the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com. Here. Yes. <laughs> it was a long time coming. Yes. So how, are you? how have you been feeling? How's life? Life is great. Life is really, really good. I have been living in true abundance and overflow in kind of every aspect of my life. So I'm grateful for that. Okay, tell me more. What do you mean? I've been traveling. I've been honing my skills. I've been connecting with some dope and amazing people in the industry. And um, I just became more intentional and purposeful in my life over this last like month or two. I just really decided to really become more intentional. And ever since I've I've done that, like the things that I desire, the things that are for me, they have been coming. They have just been coming and coming. Mm. So when you when you say that it's recent, are you saying that you're just kind of like sounds like you're just more open to receiving these days? Yes, I am. I definitely am more open to receiving. And you know, I just had a talk with myself. Sometimes you don't know in that moment or what that thing might be that triggers you in that moment to just say, I deserve better. But sometimes mm-hmm happens and it could be a person it could be a place it could be a thing or it could be a memory of something um and so yeah that's kind of what happened that's dope so what made you decide to become a vegan you know what as a kid as a child I don't I've always been very unique um within my family and I have a very very big family and um, I've always just been that child that did her own thing and as a child, somehow I just had connection to animals, like even at the young age of five and six. And um, when my mother and my cousin, which was like an older cousin, like you call them auntie because they're that much older. You can't call them by their first name. Mm-hmm. And uh, when my mom and my cousin used to walk at the park, you know, I used to be out there with them. And so the park was like full of squirrels and, and, you know, and I was so obsessed and infatuated with the squirrels. And so I used to bring potato chips, <laughs> lay <laughs> potato chips so I could feed, you know, and it was like, I swear, it was like this one squirrel. I swear every time I, we came, it was like, he was just waiting on me and I would feed, I would put the chips down and the squirrel would come and eat them every time we would go. And, um, I just had a connection to animals. I just love, like, you know, that movie, Dr. Doolittle, like I yes. swear I could have been in that movie because <laughs> I just love animals. And, um, somehow that at that age and, uh, my mother used to make me chicken drumsticks. And if you eat chicken or know about drumsticks, sometimes chicken has a like purplish looking thing against the bone. I don't know what it is, but I used to always just be so disgusted by it. Even I, thought, I always thought that was like the fry, that was like the blood. It, yeah, gotta be, it, it was had like to be. Blood something. Yes, it was something I hate like it too. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And so what I would do as a kid, because I'm not thinking, right? So I'm thinking if I pull all the meat off the bone, it would look like I ate it, right? So so I get to that part and I'm just like, 
oh my gosh. And I remember it clearly. We were at my grandmother's because we lived for, with my grandmother for one year when I was around six, six or so. My parents were getting divorced. And I don't know if you guys had them, but in the Midwest, we had those old school chairs in the kitchen that had cushions. They were colorful. They were like plastic and they made a, a spoosh sound when you sat on them. Mm-hmm. And I would cu- I cut a little hole in the side. A slit. <laughs> yes, you already know where I'm about to go. I kind of <laughs> slid in the little thing and pulled some of the cushion out and I was stuffing the chicken in there. No. And uh, oh, when I goodness. tell you, if you know about meat and what happens to it after it starts sitting for a while, mm-hmm. you can imagine the maggots and all the... And so everybody was like, what is that smell? They couldn't figure it out until one day everything started coming out of the side of the chair. Wow. I was in so much trouble. And so, you know, with my mother working a lot and me primarily being with my grandmother for that time frame and then my dad, you know, I was pretty much responsible for a lot of my own food. I had my older brothers, but they were, they weren't really, you know, taking care of me like that. They were into their own thing. And so I was really like making my own food. You see Chef Junior, you see, see these shows. Like I was literally doing that in elementary school and middle school in high school, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it happened. I just, I just knew I had a, I didn't, I didn't want to eat it. And because I was responsible for a lot of my stuff, my mom, you know, cooked and everything, but I was a side item child. I just loved sides and that was yes. yeah oh my goodness me too I used to love the sides growing up and I <laughs> definitely I, I relate to the chicken because I remember the first time I saw that I was like I am not eating this ever <laughs> right? I never wanted to my mom was like yeah she used to think I was weird because I didn't want scrambled eggs I didn't you know I didn't want like a lot of the things that is supposed to, you know that a lot of us grew up eating I didn't want as a kid so this is so relatable mm-hmm yeah. Oh, man. So what were some <laughs> of your, what made you actually decide to feed other people though? Because there's one thing to, you know, have a desire and you're just learning how to do everything, but then it's like, okay, well, maybe I can turn this into something and make a, a career out of it. Well, you know, it's so funny because back in the eighties, um, China sets for little girls was very popular. Tea sets, China sets, those little things like that. And easy bake ovens and mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> so I knew, I'm telling you, at the age of six, I knew I loved cooking and I knew I was going to be a chef. I said a story. So if people ask me, I said story writer, because I didn't really know author. So I said story writer and a chef. Those were the two things I always said when I was young. And because of things like Easy Bake Oven and the little kitchen play sets, like I just loved how it made me feel. And um, in elementary school, should I invite my friends over? Because, you know, back then you played at people's houses and stuff a lot. And when my friends would come over, shoot, I'm making mashed potatoes and green beans and spinach. Like those were, those were my go-tos. And I would put it on the little china set that I had. And I would have it all fancy looking. I put water or a little milk or whatever, kind of little stuff, juice and little teacups. And yeah, and I just loved how my friend, you know, we used to put our little... um outfits on and stuff play dress up and I was I loved it I just loved it 
And you sound um, like you were just yeah. creative, just always been creative. Yeah. Listen, I was an entrepreneur at six. So we lived in a very good neighborhood. And I, you, if you know the construction paper, the multicolor construction paper, I used to draw stick figures on the paper and sell them in the neighborhood for a quarter. Like, I just, <laughs> like, seriously, you know, I just, I just knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was always like a desire of yours. That's dope. How did you get into it though? Cause it's one thing, a lot of us have dreams and we, you know, think about the type of life we want, but execution is a whole nother thing. So how did you start into, um, being a chef? You, so you, do you mostly do private chef or is it catering or a little bit of everything? What do you, oh, what is yes. I do okay. everything. I do classes. I actually also teach Serve Safe, which is food safety management. And um, I do private and full high-end, uh, full-service catering also. Okay. How did you get into it? Like, what were some of those first some early days like? Yeah. So, well, what's funny is I was, when I, so I was cooking throughout, like, elementary and middle. And then when I got to high school, I literally... For freshman year, I had a home ec class back when they used to have home ec in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like, it was just like everything in alignment. And I was cooking um, and I was doing little stuff here and there. And one day my, my, my best friend back then, her mother was in the military. And so one, one winter, I was like, wow, there's a lot of sailors here. Like they don't go home. I was asking my godmother, like, they don't go home for the holidays? And she's like, no, there's some people who don't have families. And so, no, they stay here. They don't have families to go back to. And so I started cooking for sailors that couldn't go home for the holidays. Oh, wow. Because my godmother was in the military, so she was able to make it happen. And so, um, yeah. And so I was doing it and I was doing it at our house, at my, at my house, you know, where I lived. <clears throat> and uh, they were coming, they were taking taxis and everything to the house. And so I was doing it so much, they ended up giving me a room on the Navy base to do it there. What? Yep. Wow. Yep. You were really out here. I'm telling you, I just, man, I, I'm so grateful like for this journey because who knew now it would be where it's at, like this wow, you know? That's and, so dope. Uh, yeah. But after yeah. school, after high school, I did go to culinary school. And so I did, I did get the classical training, um, as well. And, uh, and that just, that just fueled it even more when I started meeting other people in the field. And then, um, during that time I found this area and, uh, it was like poetry scene, real big, real Afrocentric, you know, all the people in the movement. And so I started meeting more people who didn't eat meat. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. There's other black people, uh, People from the diaspora, the people that look like me, I got introduced to Ethiopian food. I'm like, what? Vegan friendly? What? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> so I, it just motivated me and pushed me and inspired me so much more. Yeah. So uh, cooking for other people, I know that takes a lot of energy, a lot of love, a lot of time. So what are some of the things that you enjoy to cook for yourself, though? You know what? I really love fruit bowls and acai berry bowls. I really mm-hmm. love the variations that you can put together with those. And um funny thing is like I love simple stuff also like Brussels sprouts. Like I would make three big old bags of Brussels sprouts. And you like I would just them? huh? You roast them? Yes. Roast or bake in the oven, a little bit of maple syrup and a little bit of cayenne. And I like, that's our plain snack too. When we travel, yeah, eat them cold, hot, room temperature, it don't matter. Like, 
I can eat on those all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your, yeah. what's your, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. That was it. Oh, no, I was just still having that moment. Thinking about them Brussels like, sprouts. Yeah, what's up now? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> what's your involvement with the, um, the Midwest Vegan Fest? How are so, you involved in that? Yeah. So that's my event. I founded what? that. Yeah, that is my I did festival. not know that. Yeah, that's my fest. Yep. I so initially what's so funny is it started in 2014 on the lakefront of Chicago. That's where I initially started it. And but I just felt like it was so much going on in Chicago and I felt like Milwaukee was such an untapped market and because the two cities are so close and I do so much business in Wisconsin, I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and and move this. So I took a couple years off. And then I, I I launched it in Milwaukee and it was big. The first event had over 4,000 people at it. Wow. 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 Because when I think of Milwaukee, I think of like, it's our people. That's our people. So yeah. a lot, with a lot of them vegan curious, it sounds like. Yeah, or- they were a lot. Ve- yes. And it's so funny because now since I, I started it in 2017, 18, now people start doing their own things and people have become vegan since then. Like the move I've had, I've helped people who had non-vegan items veganize their stuff. And now they're like, girl, thank you. Cause I, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Changing lives. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. So what does it look like as far as, uh, cause I know that you do a lot of, like you said, you have celebrity clients. What do you do for the NBA as oh. far as? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I do, uh, some cooking classes. I also do uh, private catering for some of the staff and uh, Mm -hmm. also for some of the top players in the NBA. I I do uh, private chef services um, for them as well. I just just think that's so dope because a lot of people think, okay, if you're an athlete, you have to have a lot of meat. You can't be, you can't eat a lot of plant-based meals because you need your energy, which is like, when you think about it, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, Mm -mm. it sounds so backwards, but I know a lot of people think like that. So it's real dope that you're, able to you know serve that community as well yes thank you i'm grateful truly so what are, what do they like to eat because I'm, I'm you know i'm nosy like what are, yeah what are some of your clients like to eat oyster mushrooms is top on a lot yes because they have you could do so many different things with them saute fried you know cauliflower as well like they really like um, those, if you're talking about more whole food, plant-based now, when it comes to the, the, you know, substitutes and stuff, a lot of them love the beyond mm-hmm. and, um, the impossible and, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of those, uh, those, um, substitutes, they like to incorporate a lot of that as well, just for that, that, you know, because a lot of them are transitioning and, you know, they still want that texture and they want that hearty subs, you know, hearty, um, heartiness of it. Yeah, I know. I need to know your thoughts, though, as far as eating a lot of the impossible and the Beyond Meats and things like that. Not eating a lot, but just eating it in general. Like, what are your thoughts? Do you feel like there's a place for it? I know your clients enjoy it, which makes sense. And you mentioned transitioning. Mm -hmm. But I know from my own experience, a lot of times people say, because I've been a vegan, what, I think 12 years at this point. And a lot of people are like, well, you shouldn't be. Yeah, you shouldn't eat that stuff anymore because you're no longer transitioning. And it's like, I always feel like there's a place for is a place for it. You know, there's always a place for it in my life, at least. So what are your thoughts? Like, how do you feel about that? I definitely, I eat it. 
you know, um, do I notice a difference in my body when I'm eating a whole lot of it? Absolutely. I'd be lying Same. if I said I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Same. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. However, am I grateful that if I'm traveling, because I travel a lot. I was just in Orlando last week, you know. If, if, you know, if I'm traveling and I can't get to a kitchen, and sometimes I just don't want to cook. I just don't want to cook sometimes. And if that option is available, there are certain ones that I, I like more than others. But I think the biggest thing is to remember everybody is not vegan for the same reason. You know, everybody's not vegan for health. Some people just don't want to eat animals. They they love animals more than they love humans. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that is the biggest thing, you know, is just giving grace to people because I listen, people talk have talked about me before because I work with a lot of elders, a lot of seniors, right? I do a lot of stuff in senior assisted living, showing them how to make smoothies, how to do stuff in their rooms. And I, I listen, I can't tell Mr. Johnson that has been eating chicken for 70 years. Mr. Johnson, you can't have chicken no more, you know? And my approach to Mr. Johnson is, hey, Mr. Johnson, okay, how about we don't fry this chicken today? How about we bake it instead? And then, mm-hmm. okay, Mr. Johnson, how about let's do Meatless Monday? You want to try Meatless Monday? We don't do no meat today. Ms. Johnson's like, okay, I think I could do that. You got to, you got to, you know, I don't like to meet people where they are, but yeah, you do. And so Mr. Johnson came to me a month later, like, Man, that meatless Monday kind of cool. I done got real creative with the stuff I've been doing. Or I'm glad you told me to incorporate one salad with every meal now. And so easing them into that, I've had numerous seniors like I feel different. I'm off my blood pressure medication just from this little stuff, you know. And that's my approach. Some people don't like it, but I have to do what I know. I love seniors ever since I was little. I was at the foot of my grandparents while all the other kids was outside playing. I was I was around them. So I know, especially in our community where we do, you do it's nothing, it's not uncommon to see your grandma pull out 10 different medications and and have to still have to take 10 more later. Like that's not uncommon in a lot of our homes. And so mm-hmm. what I find with people who are constantly criticizing other people. I find that they don't have that same distaste for people in their own families. They'll mm-hmm. argue with a stranger about what they eat and more than they would talk to their Aunt Mildred or their Uncle Ernest, you know? And it's I not true. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I, I, I think people should do what they choose and what's for their journey. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, it's it's true. It's true. Like I, uh, approaching people with love and like showing them, okay, this is an option. It just makes a world of difference. So when you say you work with assisted living, is that something that is a part of you? It sounds like you said you grew up with your grandparents. You always love being around them. So what does that even look like trying to go into assistant living to help people um, change how they eat? Is it something that, is it like a long process or is it just something that you do when you have time? Is it like, what does that even look like? Well, I used to do it a whole lot more, especially when a lot, my mother was still alive because she had her friends. They was there. So I kind of had to, I had the the in, insides, you know. Nice, nice. Yeah. And um, plus one year I did the census and I had to go in. And so that's kind of how it all, everything aligned. I promise you, like when I tell you everything aligned and I volunteered a lot to just go sit with the seniors sometimes. So I already kind of had a lot of those relationships there because I, I, I love elders. And so, yeah. <laughs> 
That is so cool. I love that. I love it. So what is it like your day-to-day look like these days? I know you're very busy. It's like, how do you manage everything? Yeah. You know, somehow, some way I've, I've figured it out. So I homeschool my daughter, my youngest, I homeschool her. And typically, you know, she'll do her stuff during the day and I'm working doing administrative stuff during the daytime while she's homeschooling menus, um, bookkeeping, quotes for, you know, custom clients, um, shoot, even just some meditation and positive uh, affirmations for myself. Just like you said, keep it balanced. Um, And then we may have an event we go to. And it's so funny because you know, I cook for celebrities. I cook for, you know, high-end clientele, et cetera, but I'm still so grassroots. I love festivals, community markets, farmers markets. I still love that. And I, and I don't care who I'm cooking for. I still will do those because having a vegan child and vegan children, it really has always been very important for me, for them to see other children that are like them. And for my youngest, who's seven right now, it's important for me to see her, I mean, for her to see other vegan children, see the the, the work that goes into it, learning about making food. And, and so, yeah, so we, we travel. I don't have a, like, other than her homeschooling, which sometimes even varies, we, we don't have a traditional day to day. It just kind of, it changes every day because your business and everything. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, did I know you think, I think you told me that you have a big age difference with your kids. Is that, I do. do I yeah. Right okay. Mm-hmm. How old are they? What's 25 the is my oldest. 21. I'm mad because you said seven a few minutes ago. So I already realized. <laughs> <I was laughs> yeah. 25, 21 and seven. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How long have you been vegan? 36 years. Okay. So yes. all, so how has that changed as far as having a lifestyle with your children? Because having a 25-year-old um, and then having a seven-year-old, how, yeah, how does that look different as far as um, bringing veganism into their Listen, lives? <laughs> the vegan, the vegan cheese that my, that we had when my children were younger and in school was horrible. It was oil and water. It was so bad. <laughs> so my children and I, we laugh now because of all the different cheeses out here now. We like, man, really? Like all it was was Boca Burgers back then, Dr. Prager's. And, yeah. and then the um one that was in the can, the red can, I forgot what the uh, Wesson or uh, something, but it was like a vegan sausage or something, vegan meatloaf. Out of the can. Yes, in the can. It was a red Ooh. package. I can't even remember the package name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and you know what's so interesting? When my children were in school, I used to, I was that parent. I brought their food every day, every single day. Um, I brought their lunch. I've been dedicated. Like I brought their lunch every single day. And, and if they had a pizza party, I was making pizza at home, bringing it on a day. If they had candy, what I would do is I give them vegan candy, the teacher at the beginning of the school year for the whole year. If y'all giving the candy here, give my kids this. I was that parent. I just, mm-hmm. I was so vocal. I was so involved and they didn't have no choice but to. And, and it was so funny because even the stuff I was bringing, they're like, wow, uh, you know, what's that? I will say this regarding the meat subs. Before all the meat subs came, I will be honest, I was a lot more creative with making my own meat subs, like lentil sausage and, um, you know, those different things. I definitely will say that 
I did get a little lazy when it when the meatballs came on the I market. I see that. Yeah, you didn't have a choice. I yeah, didn't so have I no didn't. choice. I'm cutting them corners now. I'm cutting the corners. <laughs> I definitely get it, and it is convenient. I do, I do appreciate the convenience. And honestly, for myself, I always say that I would have never been able to. Uh, start a vegan journey with my family without the substitutes. You know, I, I would never have been able to do that. So I'm thankful for them, even though yeah. I try not to eat them as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they yeah. do. They 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 have your stomach talking languages. If you <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this: I'm so grateful because you know, since I was young, I have family in New York, and I have a lot of you know uh, connection and and a lot of friends that were Rastafarians from Jamaica and. <clears throat> A lot of the Ital Rastafarians in New York, like they had all those veggies. They was ahead of the game. You hear me when I tell you? Mm-hmm. In New York, like you could go in and get a veggie plate from the, the Ital spot, uh, from the Trini spot, or for the Jamaica spot. So when you eat a lot of global cuisine, a lot of cultural food, a lot of that stuff is already vegan friendly where you really don't even have to have any meat substitutes because they're mm-hmm. full of beans and grains and legumes. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, so true. Like what is one of your favorites? What are some of your favorite cities as someone who travels a lot for work? And sometimes it probably, it just feels like working is not pleasure, but what are some cities that you feel like are vegan friendly and just cities you enjoy to be in? I definitely love Brooklyn, Harlem. I'll say Brooklyn slash Harlem, NYC. Mostly, mostly Brooklyn. Brooklyn has some really, really good um, places. I definitely would say I, I got to give some credit to Chicago. I got to give some credit to back home. <clears throat> I definitely love Chicago. We have definitely stepped it up. And mm-hmm. really, because we have so many different cultures, we we definitely hold it down for um for like just one of my favorites of all times. I agree. And, mm-hmm, <laughs> and um, I, I think, shoot, I would say just, yeah, those are really the two places that I really would say like New York and Chicago. I've gone a lot of other places, but I just, I'm real partial to, to, New, <laughs> you know, to New York and Chicago. Like Atlanta's okay, but see, when you talk about full experience of food, culture, vibe, energy, yeah, definitely New York and definitely Chicago. After been, after doing this for so many years, what tips do you have for people who are looking to become a private chef or even catering or events, whatever you want to share when it comes to like growing and starting and growing your business? Well, I will say this, my first thing, because we do have so many people out here that cook and a lot of times people just jump right in, learn food safety, please. Like it is so important to know food safety when you want to feed the public or feed other people, temperatures, uh, handle food handling, hygiene, etc. Those are critical to growing in this industry and 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 gaining credibility and the assurance of people knowing that hey, this food is not going to just taste good, but we, my family is going to be safe. The people around me are going to be safe, and so that's one thing. Just putting yourself out there. Shoot, DM that that NBA team or DM or you know DM your favorite artist. Find out who is vegan on that list that you want and email them and DM them. Who knows who might respond? 
You know what I'm saying? And be consistent. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes I have a little bit of problem with consistency because you're just trying to do so many things. But put yourself out there. Come correct. Have variety in your menu. And and like I said, just go for it. Yeah, it's I'm sure it takes so, so much time, you know, so much time to get into it. But it's so it's so worth it. I never heard anybody say that about the food safety. That's that's a really, really good tip. Mm-hmm. Because I've never seen a lot. And because I teach serve safe, <clears throat> I'll be honest, because I teach serve safe, a lot the highest like category people fail in when they fail is hygiene and, and, and holding and temperatures. People don't know how to hold with the temperatures, proper uh food holding. And that's that's not okay, you know, that's not good. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, people can't enjoy it. They like, especially when people first experience being vegan and they get sick from it. That's like, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. want people to associate food poison with eating vegan meals. So yeah, I think that's a really good tip. What about some tips on how people should start their vegan journey? As somebody who has been vegan for 25 years, you've seen it all. Like you well, said, yeah. the oil yeah. and water. The oil and water. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the oil and water. Uh, the oil and water uh, cheese. cheese. I, yeah, yeah. I used to call it cardboard cheese. But... Man, it was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> it didn't even know? melt. Nothing. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> that was. It was the worst. Yeah, <laughs> so the what, worst. what tips do you have on like how to start um, a vegan journey? Yeah, days? yeah. So, um, yeah, being vegan since I was in elementary school. Honestly, it is a. Uh, like I said, get around like-minded people. Luckily, I had the strength for myself because I was just such an individual. But I know a lot of people do. Like having that support of other people is critical to the success of anything that a person can do does. And so, yeah, there's right now we have so many vegan groups, vegan pages, podcasts like yours, like Brown Vegan, that can they can expose you to other people who can help assist you. And so, yeah, get in those groups. Go to those vegan meetups. Go to those vegan fests. There are so many vegan fests out here right now. You have no excuse on why you're not there, not, you know? And so, yeah, just learn, learn. Don't just say, I'm not going to eat meat, but don't learn the nutritional content and the nutritional value of what you're eating and what you need to maintain your optimal health, you know? Because a lot of people just turn into starchitarians. They just say, okay, well, I'm not eating meat. I'm just going to eat pasta and rice and bread. And and no, you got to still get your vitamins, still get your nutrients, still get all everything that you need to grow your body, especially if you're having children that are going to be vegan as well. Definitely. That's so good. You got to tell me too, like, what are you looking forward to as someone who has been working so, so hard being a mom, business owner, and just being just a woman in this world? Like, what are you looking forward to? It doesn't necessarily have to be business, but just in general. You know what? It's so funny because today, no joke. I was like, I really would love to live off the grid for a little bit. Really? I really would. I lo- like I've camped in the mountains. I've bathed in creeks. I've cooked like I really would. I I I really would love just like maybe a good month. And I I have one of my favorite uh influencers that I watch that I'm, you know, and and I just see him in the mountains and and I'm like that is the life that I love. I love that my family has camped. We have had annual camping trips for I'm 42, so for over 42 years my family, a black family has been camping for over 42 years. And so what would the day-to-day look like? Of course, it sounds like you won't be on social media. You wouldn't probably be working for anybody else, would or would you? I would be journaling. Mm-hmm. I would be really tapping back into my spirituality. 
really connecting with with source and nature and grounding barefoot yeah working on recipes just like it would still and it's so funny because you say like I wouldn't be working but it's so funny when you have your own business how like you know they ask you what's the one thing you do if you didn't get paid and cooking and creating would definitely be that and so love it yeah yeah love that that's that's dope you okay i can see you doing that though like now you now you got a plan for yeah yeah. (laughs) a month it doesn't really seem in the grand scheme of things it's not that long no i feel like that's something that you would be dope doing so i love it well chef truth i'm so glad that we finally had a chance to have this conversation thank you so 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 much for being on the show let us know how we can follow you and what else you want us to do to support you yeah, so you can tap in with me on Instagram at The Cultured Vegan. You can find me on Facebook at The Cultured Vegan. Those are really my two platforms. If you are looking for services, you can go on my website, which is www.theculturedvegan.com. And uh, yeah, just just I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Ready to talk to you, ready to answer any questions, and uh, we can make it happen. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc